Hello, I'm Cedric Chippendale, and welcome to our Parakaleo podcast, where we explore the scriptures to find out how God ministers to those in pain. Today, we're going to look at a woman in the Bible who is very well known, and her name is Eve. Eve, as we know, was the first woman that God ever created. She is known as the mother of all living. But we seldom see Eve as a mother who has experienced loss. And today we're going to look at Eve's life with a specific reason to find out what lessons we can learn from Eve as she mourns the loss of her two sons. We first meet Eve in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, when Eve is introduced to her husband by God. We know that Adam was given a task to name the animals, and Adam could not find a partner that was suitable for him. And God stepped in, and God took a part of Adam's body, the rib, and he formed a woman out of Adam's rib. And then Adam is introduced to his wife, and we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, then the man said, and that's Adam, This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. And Adam lays eyes upon this woman, and he exclaimed these words, Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And for the first time in Scripture, we find man uttering words that are recorded. And Adam, when he sees his wife for the first time, she brings about a response from him that is joy and exclamation. And he bursts out and he says, this one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And Eve is the first woman really who causes a man to speak. She's the first one who causes him to rejoice. And so when he lays eyes on her, he exclaims, finally I found someone that I was looking for. And so Eve really becomes a catalyst for a man to speak directly, and those words are recorded in Scripture. We also find Eve as the first woman who's really functioning as a theologian. Um, Adam and Eve is settled in the garden, and everything is perfect. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we have what is called the temptation. And so it says there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was more shrewd than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, is it really true that God said, you must not eat from any tree of the orchard? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the orchard, but concerning the fruit of the tree in the middle of the orchard, God said, you must not eat from it. You must not touch it, or else you will die. The serpent then convinces Eve to take another look at the fruit of the tree. And the Bible tells us she found it physically appealing, that is good for food. She found it aesthetically pleasing, it was a delight to the eyes. She found it good for seeking wisdom. In other words, she saw the fruit as transforming. And the Bible says that she ate from that fruit and gave it to her husband. Adam also ate. Eve does not try to tempt Adam. She simply gives him the fruit and he takes it. Adam does not challenge Eve, nor does he raise any question. The woman allows her mind and her own judgment to be a guide. But Adam neither rebukes or neither does he approve. She simply 
takes from the fruit. We give sin was one of initiative. Adam's sin was one of an one of agreement. And as a result of the disobedience, they were all judged by God. The serpent, Eve, and Adam. The woman's pain would be connected with childbearing, and the man's pain will be connected with the provision of food. And the couple is driven out of the garden as a direct result of the disobedience of God. They were driven east of Eden. And God places an angel, a cherubim, to guard the way to the tree of life. And men and women was barred from the tree of life. In his closing words, the section recalls what was stated at the beginning, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden. At first, the man dwelt in the midst of the garden, in the vicinity of the tree of life. He could at any moment approach it and eat of its fruit. Now he is banished from that tree. The angel and the flaming sword guards the way, and man and Eve could not have access to it. And that section concludes with a very sad episode that man, together with his wife, rebelled against God. But then we see Eve now for the first time as a mother who's given birth. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, we read, Now the man had marital relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Then she said, I have created a man just as the Lord did. Eve's statement at the birth of her firstborn son, first human being to be born outside the garden, her statement is very strange. She says, I have created a man. Now, when people give birth or when mothers give birth to a boy, they never describe the boy as a man, but here she uses a strange term. She says, I've created a man. And really in the Hebrew, she says, she uses the word ish. And the word ish is never described of a male baby. What Eve is doing here is she's hinting at the fact that out of the ground, Adama's ground, the ground brought forth Adam, and now she has brought forth a man. Eve uses the verb gotten uh, when talking about the birthing of a son. And the word they've gotten is a verb that is used almost exclusively of God's creative activity. And what Eve is doing now, Eve is claiming in her joy that she is equal to God in that she has created a man equally with Yahweh. Eve, the first woman in a joy, had given birth to her first son, boasts of a generative power. And in her estimation, it places her in the same category as God's creative power. She is literally saying, the Lord formed the first man, and that happened in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And I formed the second man. I have created a man with the Lord. I stand together equally with God in that I am a quasi-creator. She conceived, she carried, she labored, and bore this son. Now in Genesis chapter 3, verse 30, Adam names his wife Eve, the mother of all living. And now with the birth of the firstborn, she glories in a generative power. And so she says, I have shaped a child equally with Yahweh. I have created a man equally with God. And what Eve is saying is that she is in partnership with God. And yet in the birth of Cain, 
she is um, arrogant she is prideful at the same time she is rejoicing in the fact that she had a son and that places her in the same category as yahweh in terms of her creative power and then in verse 2 we see one line when it comes to a second born then she gave birth to his brother abel the birth of abel is simply stated in one line whereas cain's birth is announced with much joy and celebration. The Bible states that Cain is born and Eve rejoices. But when Abel is born, there's no such rejoicing. Abel is born and the relationship to his mother is not stated. He is simply, he is simply stated as the brother of Cain, but not Eve's son. Eve is so absorbed by a pride in Cain that she even forgets to name Abel. Abel, the second born, is named in a very strange way. The name simply means in Hebrew, nothingness or vapor or meaningless. There is no exclamation of joy or affection at Abel's birth. Nothing is said about his relationship to his mother, to his father or to God. Abel is nothing more than described as being Cain's brother. The term brother, by the way, is used in this text more than seven times. Cain is not called Abel's brother. He does not act as Abel's brother. He claims he doesn't know where his brother is after he has killed him. And he sarcastically replies to God that he is nothing more than his brother's keeper. And so we have Cain and Abel being born, and Eve is celebrating the birth of the firstborn, where the birth of the secondborn is almost an afterthought. But in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 to 4, we read the account of the first murder. Abel took care of the flocks, while Cain cultivated the ground. At a designated time, Cain brought some fruit of the ground, for an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought some of the firstborn of his flock, even the fattest of them. And the Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but with Cain and his offering, he was not pleased. So Cain became very angry, and his expression was downcast. Here we have two brothers at worship. Even though they were expelled from Eden, God's presence is not restricted to Eden. The text tells us that they brought offerings to Yahweh, which suggests that there was an altar that was erected. It was The altar was used and an offering was placed either on the altar or before the altar. Each man gave an offering appropriate to his occupation. One expected a farmer to bring an offering from the vintage of the ground and a shepherd to bring the sucklings of his flock. Abel was a keeper of flocks, while Cain was an agriculturist. He was a cultivator of the ground. But the difference between these two offerings of Eve's son was very significant. The Bible tells us Cain made special effort to bring the best of what he had to God. He took the firstlings, the firstborn animals, which is reserved for God, and he brought the best of his animals, the most robust of his animals, to sacrifice to God. Cain does not go through such efforts. The Bible says he simply took the fruit of the ground. It was expected from agriculturists to bring the first fruits, but Cain doesn't do that. He just takes what 
he could find. And so it appears that Abel made great effort to give the best, while Cain, on the other hand, was simply indifferent. He was simply discharging a duty. Abel engages in acceptable, heartfelt worship, while Cain simply goes through the motions, simply an unacceptable tokenism. By offering the firstborn, Abel signified that he recognized God as the author and owner of life. Cain did not. As a result, God regarded Cain's offering with disdain, but he accepted the offering of Abel. And the Bible tells us Cain becomes very angry and God rebukes him. And so in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it reads, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your expression downcast? Is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. God tells Cain what he should do to correct his wrong attitude and his actions so that his sacrifice will be acceptable to God. Instead, Cain becomes exceedingly angry. And when God confronts him, God is extending pastoral counsel and grace to him, as well as Cain has the choice to master sin. Tragically, Cain does not. Cain's pride becomes a source of evil, rendering worship unacceptable. Cain does not reply to Yahweh's questioning and rebuke. Instead, he speaks to Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 8, Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So Cain kills his brother. The Bible doesn't allow us to forget that these were brothers. And these were Eve's sons. This is what is called fratricide. It was a murder between brothers. In fact, that Cain, as we said earlier, is never called Abel's brother. Rather, it's the other way around. Abel is always Cain's brother. And we are told in the narrative that Cain does not act as the older brother. Twice in verse 8 and in verse 9, it is noted, Abel, his brother. When God confronts him, God says, what have you done with your brother? Where is your brother Abel? That is Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. And then when God judges him, he says, the earth has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And so Cain's action towards his brother is extremely wicked. Five times in Genesis chapter 4, we see the word kill being used five times in Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 8, Genesis chapter 4, verse 14, 15, 23, and 25. And what is said here is that Cain's action towards his brother was reprehensible. The crime was premeditated in that Cain planned to kill his brother, took him to an isolated place where there was no people around to hear the cries for help that Abel would shout. And even after the killing, God seeks out the killer with grace. And he invites Cain to make a confession. Just as God dealt with Cain's parents, Adam and Eve, after the rebellion, 
in the garden. But unlike his parents, Cain replies with a brazen lie and in an illogical way throw the question back into God's face. Am I my brother's keeper? Now since God is described as the keeper of Israel, it appears that Cain is blaming God. Since you are the keeper, that is your job, that's not mine. And so Cain is unrepentive, he is rude, he is sarcastic, and he refuses to acknowledge his responsibility towards his brother. Neither does he want to take responsibility for his crime. And so God judges Cain, and Cain is banned from the land. God protects him uh, from someone who wishes to take revenge for Abel's murders. And even though Cain is banned, he is still blessed. He leaves God's presence but not God's protection. It's ironic that Yahweh wants to be the keeper of the very man who did not want to be his brother's keeper. And so in response to Cain's fallen countenance, uh, Yahweh acts pastorally. He knows Cain's heart. He recognized the danger which Cain was in. He warns the potential offender, and then he offers corrective advice. But Cain says no. After the crime, Yahweh acts judicially. He calls Cain to question and then proceeds to sentence Cain. And subsequently, in grace, Yahweh acts protectively. He even guards the criminal from further acts of violence. So where is Eve in all of this? Eve does not talk after naming and proclaiming Cain as the man in verse 24. She is silent throughout the sordid episode. God confronts and talks to Cain, not Eve. The earth cries out with Cain's blood in her mouth, not Eve. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 10, The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. But Eve is not crying out. And so Cain, who did the right thing, Abel, who acts righteously, Abel, who goes out of his way to please God, his life comes to a premature end. The one who was named a vapor, the one who was named nothingness, and that's the meaning of the word able, his life is very short. But life is unfair. And that Cain, the murderer, goes on to live and have a family. For we read in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17 to 24, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. He built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begot Mayuhal, and Mayuhal begot Matusashal, and Matusashal begot Lamech. Then Lamech took two wives for himself. The name of one was Adar, and the name of the second was Zelah. And Adar, or Jabal, he was the father of those who dwelt in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tabul Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tabul Cain was Namar. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Salah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, 
for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventyfold. What began as a narrative of the two sons of Eve coming to Yahweh through sacrifice concludes with one murdered and the other excommunicated from God's presence. Eve, after triumphantly inaugurating human history with Cain, was doomed to witness the results. She witnessed how Cain continues to live in defiance of God's decree. He does not live the life of a nomad, but builds a city instead, as stated in chapter 4, verse 17. In doing so, Cain takes charge of his own security. He refuses to trust God's sign and protection and promise of protection. Eve witnesses how civilization is advanced by Cain's line. Enoch has a city named for him. Jabal had livestock. He herded animals, sheep, goats, cattle, camels, donkeys. It enables him to trade with beasts of, beast of burdens. Jabal is the father of the arts. He's a musician. And then there was a man called Tabu Cain who made strides in metallurgy. He made weaponry. And Cain's line appears to be very successful. In his line, there are traders, there are city builders, there are musicians. Uh, but Eve witnesses these positives. But while she sees all these positives in the line of Cain, she also sees violence and vengeance spreading. The focus and the end of Cain's line is in a man called Lamech. And Lamech sings a song to his two wives and he says, If Cain was a brazen murderer, Lamech was even more perverted and depraved than his ancestors. He is willing even to kill a child. Lamech considered it to kill someone or to overkill as a badge of honor as he boasts about his violent deeds. He is vindictive, he is impious, he is capable of the most abysmal evil as he protected himself. The closer of the line of Cain shows that sin has permeated through this line. From Cain, the first murderer, uh, to Lamech, who celebrates violence. Not only did violence prevail in this world, it's precisely the deeds of violence that Cain's line glorified. The progression of evil from Adam to Cain to Lamech is vividly portrayed. One eats the forbidden fruit, the other one kills his brother and remains unrepentant, and the third murders a child and arrogantly brags about it. In the line of Cain, even though there are many achievements, there's one thing that is absence. And that is the mention of God. Cain left the presence of God. And there is no mention of God in Cain's genealogy. Music and technology are not enough to build genuine harmony. Eve witnesses the seven generations of Cain. She witnesses a generation that descends into endless vengeance. In fact, the seven generations are framed by two murders and two murderers, Cain who murdered his brother and Namech who celebrate killing. Uh, the second is worse than the first. And as I mentioned earlier, that Cain's genealogy makes no mention of God. 
and yet in the line of Cain, he is hailed as a hero. And Eve, on the other hand, is not allowed to die, but she witnesses and see death in her children up to 77-fold. It must have been hell. It must have been heartbreaking for Eve to witness it all. Eve saw the whole glory and the disaster of human civilization unfold before her eyes. First, she saw how her favorite son Cain killed her other son, Abel. How Cain wanted to gain everything, but he lost everything, wavering and wandering. Then she saw how the first city that was foreshadowing the city of Babel was built. She saw music instruments being invented. She saw creation made out of bronze and iron. On top of it all, she witnesses Lamech as he celebrates overkill. It must have been a terribly long and torturous way for Eve to go, the stony way of coming to know the vanity of her Cain's actions. Everything she believed to be good in the beginning has turned out as evil. But there's good news, because in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25 to 26, we read again, and Adam had marital relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son, and she named him Seth, saying, God has given me another seed in place of Abel, because Cain killed him. And a son was born to Seth, whom he named Enosh. At that time, people began to worship the Lord, or call on the name of the Lord. Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, is the first time in the story that Eve or any other human being pronounces, pronounces the name of Abel. She speaks for him. Eve mourns him. Eve remembers him. Cain to his descendants, like Lamech, is a hero and a role model. But his mother Eve sees him from a different perspective. Cain is a killer. The text reports two early conceptions and births. Genesis chapter 4, we read Adam having relations with his wife Eve, who delivered Cain. Cain having relations with his wife, who delivered Enoch, in chapter 4, verse 17. Both of his births culminated in disaster. The third time around, Adam having relations with his wife, who delivered Seth. And it promises a very different outcome. The contrast between Eve's exclamation at Cain's birth in chapter 4 verse 1 and the one here is striking. In chapter 4 verse 1, Cain's birth is celebrated with a woman that is very self-centered. She says, I, Eve, I have gotten a man with Yahweh. However, in chapter 4 verse 25, the subject there is God. She says, God has appointed or God has given me another seed. Eve has grown since the birth of Cain, her firstborn son. She referred to Cain as a man. Yeah, she refers to Seth as the seed. In the first instance, her explanation was self-centered. I have gotten with the birth of Seth. Now she is God-focused. God has appointed. This time, Eve does not voice feelings of joy and pride as she did with the firstborn. Her mood is one of mourning and sorrow for the family calamity. Her words are uttered meekly and with humility and with modesty. 
on the first occasion she glorified in her creative powers and a collaboration with the Lord. This son, Seth, she regards as purely as a gift from Yahweh. With his first child, he utters the name Yahweh. And in the pride, she associates herself as equal with his personal God. With the third son, she heals it to God, the Creator, the only one who can give life and sustain life, the one to whom all things belong, whether it's living or non-living. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, she has claimed, For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Here we have the first utterance of a woman who mentions Abel's name. Cain refused to confess that he killed his brother. Here his mother does so for him declaring that he is a killer of his brother. So in one line, she mentions a son whom God has given to replace Abel, whom she has lost, whom Cain had killed. In one line, she mentions three entities, God, Seth, Abel, and Cain. She acknowledges that her firstborn son is a killer, her second-born son is the victim of her first-born son. But God, in his grace and mercy, has given her another son to replace the two sons that she has lost. So right as you look into the face of the newborn son, Seth, she says the name of the victim, Abel. Another seed has been given in place of Abel, for Cain killed him. As his, as Cain's line propagates a glorious myth of strength and growth and forceful success, Eve talks about the one who got lost, the one who didn't make it, her second son Abel. She simply calls Lamech's grand hero. Cain, her first son, a killer. With this one statement, Abel and Cain and God, Eve turns the whole of history into one line. Abel was murdered, and Cain is a murderer. And God, out of mercy, beyond understanding, has given her another son. Ironically, after the triumphant commencement of the cycle of human birth with Cain, Eve is condemned to watch seven generations of Cain's line, a line of murderers from beginning to end, even as civilization developed. Everything that God has seen to be good since creation has been turned to evil. With the third seed, Eve must have hoped things would change. Eve is the first theologian, teacher, prophetess, critical thinker of human history. With human life multiplying sevenfold, history rushes into disaster even before it really started. But then just as they were about to reach the point of no return, there is another voice, Eve's exclamation. In the description of his name, Seth, 
brings hope because according to Eve, God has appointed me another seed. Clearly pointing back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, where God promised victory over evil. Moreover, it's with the line of Seth that people began to call on the name of Yahweh. A new line had begun, and people were calling on the name of Yahweh, while Cain's line pioneered in trade, in music, and technology. Seth's lines were pioneers in the worship of Yahweh. People began to call on the name of Yahweh. And now hope was being kindled afresh. The death or the murder of a son is a terrible experience. It is a more terrible experience to have one son murder another. Cain murdered his brother, and both of them were sons of Eve. But Eve's experience can teach us some very important lessons. The tragic loss of two sons, one dead, another exiled, has taught Eve some very important lessons, and I will outline five of them. Number one, God remembers the forgotten victim. Genesis chapter 4 tells us that God is the only individual that remembers the son of nothingness. When he confronts Cain about his murder, God said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? While everyone else have forgotten about him, God remembers him. Abel is mentioned about four times in the New Testament, even death does not quiet the voice of Abel. He lives on as an example on how a person should approach God. In the world in which we live in, victims are reduced to mere statistics. But God remembers those victims, even though to other people there might be a number. But God remembers the forgotten. The second thing that we learn from Eve's experiences is that she looks at life from a different lens and that is the lens of reality. With one statement about Abel and Cain and God, Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, God has given me another child in place of Abel because Cain killed him. Eve states the fact starkly. Abel murdered Cain, a murderer, a God who out of mercy beyond understanding grants another son, not a son to continue the murderously powerful and successful line of Cain, but a son in place of Abel, for Cain has killed him. People who have experienced loss uh, does not tolerate or find it hard to tolerate pretentiousness and vanity. Uh, they face life with a reality that is truly refreshing. And Eve learned from her painful experience to look at life through the lens of reality. The third thing that Abel's death and the loss of Cain taught Eve is that she remembers and acknowledged the evil done to Abel, her second son, and in doing so, she teaches us that there can be a restoration of joy after loss. For Eve had finally understood that the future of her children would be, would, could only be good in as far as the evil done to Abel would not be forgotten. Remembering and acknowledging the ones who are hurt and lost in our lives 
is God's way of bringing healing to our lives. She remembered, she acknowledged, but then she could look forward to a time of joy. The fourth thing that Eve teaches us is that we can grow through our pain. When she gave birth to Cain, her firstborn, she displayed a certain level of self-absorption and self-centeredness. I have gotten. But with the birth of Seth, she is God-focused. God has appointed. When we refuse to grow through our pain and loss, we waste our pain. When God brings pain into our lives, it is unpleasant, it is tragic, but we can grow through it. But if we persist in not growing, then that pain is wasted. The fifth lesson that Eve teaches us, out of tragedy, hope can be ignited afresh. Adam and Eve were comforted from the morning in that, number one, a third son, Seth, had been born to them to replace the first two sons whom they had lost. And, number two, God had gifted them with a grandson, Enosh, through their third son, Seth, who formed the beginning of a new generation that began to call on the name of the Lord. Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. Eve, as a mourning mother who lost two sons, can teach us very important lessons when it comes to coping with loss and tragedy in our lives. Thank you.